Good afternoon, folks. It's that time again. Time for the elephant in the room here on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, joined here in studio as always by my, well, not always, but today he's certainly here and he's usually here. And that's my trusty executive director, John Schneider. Man, a few words. You know, I, I, for you folks who don't know what John looks like, a picture across between Clint Eastwood and Calvin Coolidge, okay? Uh, you know, that, that that's our man, John. And then also in the studio here, we're joined by our producer, Dazzling Daryl Grandy, the guy that makes all the magic happen, that makes sure that these shows run uh, efficiently and that you get to hear from our guests. And that's why I'm incredibly excited today because our guest in studio is recently declared candidate for the United States Congress in Pennsylvania's 17th Congressional District, and that is State Representative Rob McCurry. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. It's a pleasure to be here, and and we're super excited about uh, announcing this week and uh, look forward to uh, the discussion today. Well, we're excited to have you, you know, and we were looking forward to your announcement. I know that uh, you and I have had some discussions previously and I know that this was something that you had been considering. What tipped it over the edge for you? Because you're a very successful state legislator up there in Harrisburg. What tipped it over the edge for you and made you decide that now is the time for you to come out and run for Congress here? Well, Sam, it's it's our moment as a country. It really is. And, and we need people to step up and, and fight for our country. I was somebody who uh, was very much enjoying my time in the state legislature. And, and, I, and I will continue to serve my term, uh, my second term. And we've gotten a lot done. Uh, in these two terms in the state. Uh, but I've also observed deep divisions and many challenges uh, related to the way that we do things in Pennsylvania. And I, I've talked to a lot of people uh, in our area, in my district and beyond that tell me they're, they're tired of partisan politics and the divisions failing to de- deliver solutions for people at home. And as a veteran uh, of our U.S. Army, I know that America is a great place, mm-hmm. and I want Americans to feel like their political leaders, their elected leaders, are working towards solutions and finding common ground to get there. And so I'm running for Congress as a veteran, as a dad of three kids, and as a small business owner who's very concerned about the direction of our country and wants to fight to get it back. Well, I think you did a great job there of explaining to the voters or our listeners here, the voters of the 17th Congressional District, as to why, you know, you're running here. And uh, But tell the folks a little bit about you, because, you know, I know you, I've had the pleasure of having known you for a few years, even before you ran for the State House, but many of our listeners may not, you know, folks from outside the district. So tell them a little bit about Rob McCurry, about you, your family, background. Sure, Sam. Grew up in West Deer, Pennsylvania, uh, which is in my current legislative district, District 28. Mm-hmm. And it's also in the congressional district. Um, nice blue collar upbringing, you know, hardworking mom and dad. Um, and their roots really in Pennsylvania go back to the steel mills and the oil fields uh, in Pennsylvania, too. That's what brought our families uh, and their families into this area was the industry that was happening. Um, and uh, so those blue collar roots uh, led to a wonderful upbringing and led me to West Point. So I earned an appointment to the United States Military Academy out of Deer Lakes High School, uh, went on to West Point, And in 2001, my sophomore year, 9-11 happened. Uh, and that changed everything for myself and my classmates who knew that at that point we were headed to war in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, my two tours were in Iraq, and I was fortunate to have, you know, safe tours that I was able to come home fully intact, both mentally and physically. But 14 of my West Point classmates lost their lives overseas. Mm-hmm. And so I carry Tragic. that with me. 
it is tragic and and I want to honor their sacrifice with my life and you know by earning the time that I have uh, to do that and the perspective that I have from being overseas in Iraq where it's a third world country it was war torn looking back at the United States it's almost like you know when an astronaut goes into space and looks back at the world you see mm -hmm. these movies and the footage and it's a new perspective they come back changed and I was that way coming back to, to the United States, um, realizing that the freedoms we have, the economy that we have, the prosperity um, is really something special in the world and that we've got to cherish it and we've got to protect it uh, because otherwise we won't have it for much longer. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting perspective, Rob, because I tell people all the time, when I talk to immigrants, folks that have emigrated to this country from somewhere else, they are the ones that are most passionate about the United States and, and what we stand for and what's at risk. Because they've seen you know, the, the things in other countries that so many here just take for granted. So uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that for yourself as well. You know, having been overseas, <clears throat> saw these third world countries, you know, in, in Iraq and in the Middle East and the things that were taking place, how it, it helped lend a new perspective to you when you came back. So tell us what you did when you came back. Yeah, so came back with that perspective and, and uh, a bronze star uh, from Iraq. And we wanted to move back to Pittsburgh, right? Moved around a lot with the military, some mm -hmm. beautiful parts of the country, and wanted to work our way back to Pittsburgh. Uh, got out of the military in 2009, entered the reserves for two years in New York, uh, and worked in New York for a bit uh, with uh, Ernst & Young, an accounting firm. Mm -hmm. Kind of learned the trade, financial services. That was my major at West Point, too, was economics. Got an MBA during that time period, too. Um, and so I was ready to go into business, uh, learn the financial services industry. And I did that, and I loved it. Um, and uh, But at some point, Western PA uh, came calling, right? We were raising kids and wanted to be close to parents. Um, and there's something special about uh, uh, the Pittsburgh area that uh, we wanted to come back and, and raise them in the great schools out here and close to family. So well, that's me, what we did. Let me jump in for a second here, okay? Because you have a beautiful wife and a beautiful family. Thank you. Tell the listeners a little bit about Kelsey and your children. Oh, they're the best. I mean, you know, Kelsey um, is uh, just an incredible person and success on her own. She and I own and run a small business in the Wexford area. Mm -hmm. Um, and she spent uh, a number of years uh, staying home, taking care of our kids as they were really young, which was a sacrifice for her, you know, career-wise. She was an, uh, a teacher by trade, uh, but she loved doing it, and, and now the kids are older, 10, 13, and 16, uh, so we have a driver in the house, uh, which is nice, uh, but <laughs> we're looking at colleges uh, for our oldest, and our youngest plays football, our middle plays field hockey, so we're right in the thick of raising kids, having a lot of life conversations, uh, and it's a beautiful thing, uh, and we're just blessed. But when you talk about perspective, you know, the perspective you gained serving overseas and then looking back at the United States, <clears throat> you also have the perspective of being a father. That's right. You know, trying to raise children here in this age, you're here in America, where there are so many things that are taking place in regards to our culture, you know, and our government that you know, really are giving many people second thoughts. Yeah. And Sam, you know what? I, I love the point you're making there about family too, because it is all about the next generation when you're thinking about, you know, what laws do we pass in the state legislature um, and how do we think about our educational environment? It's all about our kids and how we get them well-educated so that they can be successful in our economy and hopefully growing economy here in Western PA so they can come back and live close to home. 
And, you know, a number of my friends in the legislature have young families as well. And so that's the perspective that we bring uh, to the lawmaking that we do in Harrisburg. Uh, my opportunity, so after we moved home to, to Pittsburgh, I actually worked uh, directly for Joe Rocky, who is now running for county executive at PNC mm-hmm. Bank. So when that opportunity opened up at PNC, um, I was super excited to you know move home from New York and be able to, to live and work in Western PA and for a great uh, person and mentor like Joe Rocky uh, was really exciting. Well, we know that, uh, that, that your opponent, you know, uh, or prospective opponent, should you be the nominee here for the Republican Party in next year's uh, elections, uh, you know, was a union organizer out at the University of Pittsburgh, okay? Um, but what did you do when you worked at PNC? I mean, you know, I was told that you sat in and you were actually uh, helped, you know, the chief risk officer there actually brief the Federal Reserve. That's right. So you're somebody that has a high degree of knowledge and acumen as it relates to the financial industry, financial service industry, but also our economy. Yep. And you would think that, that t- those types of skill sets and that knowledge and that experience could prove invaluable. You know, as we know that here we are, which we're going to be $32 trillion in debt, okay, as a nation. I mean, we certainly need someone that understands how to balance a checkbook. That's right. Down there in Washington. That's right. Well, and that's a scary number, $32 trillion. And that's exactly where we are. Now, when I uh, was was working in New York and when I was coming out of the military, it was 2009. And if you remember, it was banking crisis that was happening at yep. that point. Think Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson on his knees begging uh, Speaker Pelosi at the time uh, to pass a relief bill to save the banking industry. Um, the banking industry needed a lot of work. And there were a lot of excesses uh, that uh, were were happening in the country. Mm -hmm. The Dodd-Frank bill was an overreach, and I saw that firsthand. Uh, But it was an attempt to correct some of the actions that were taking place within the financial services industry. So the experience that I had was working directly for uh, big banks um, during that crisis. And this was before PNC first, and then with PNC directly as the Fed was coming in and the OCC uh, talking about uh, how is PNC doing in re- regards to compliance with regulations. So I do have that experience and that that ha- kind of whole economy perspective has given me a lot of interesting things to think about that I can apply both in the legislature for our finance committee or for our commerce committee, which oversees Pennsylvania's banking industry. Uh, and so that's been invaluable experience uh, and it's the type of thing that Joe Rocky also has as we think about his race for Allegheny County uh, and his competence as well. So wonderful experience in banking led to being able to open a small business in our town. Uh, and now we get to employ 13 individuals in, in our hometown here in Wexford um, and experience that small business environment and the community feel that we love. Let me ask you a question and go back just a second. How many people, if you know the answer, does PNC employ over 50,000 employees 50,000 employees I I just wanted to make sure that our listeners heard that because uh, the Democrats are attacking you as a corporate shill you know which is like ludicrous to me it seems that these folks the Democrats they reject people of success they reject anybody that actually has experience and your experience and your success in the business industry is something to be touted 
not to be belittled. Well, I, I appreciate that, Sam, and I, I think you're right. I think uh, you know, getting a degree and an expertise in a field and, and working for a company that employs uh, large numbers of people in our area mm-hmm. uh, and has made us proud as a city to have PNC's headquarters right here in our city. It provides um, extensive benefit for so many of us. It's one of the few corporate headquarters that are still left here. You know, I remember when I was uh, entering business here back in the 80s uh, that we were one of the largest corporate headquarters cities, you know, and over the years we've lost them. You know, the Gulf, the Alcoas, I mean, all these folks (laughs) have left this city and it looks like we're on the precipice of losing another one with U.S. Steel. Well, and it's a shame. And we've already lost U.S. Steel business in the Pittsburgh area directly mm-hmm. because, and this was, this was their words, not mine, directly because of uh, democratic policies, including the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which literally chased U.S. Steel out of town, out of the Mon Valley, which was in, is in need of, mm-hmm. of new business and employment and uh, good industry. And they had the greenest uh, steel facility in the world that they wanted to build. They had plans to do it. They had a billion-dollar investment. A billion and a half dollars was the investment half, here, yep. Thousand construction jobs, hundreds of operator jobs, and it went up in smoke, literally, because of our policies in Pennsylvania, as defined by the Democratic governor at the time, the Regional mm-hmm. Greenhouse Gas Initiative. And we're still in that Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, and it still puts a damper on energy jobs and energy industry in in Pennsylvania. And we have a governor now, Shapiro, who uh, entertained thoughts of pulling out of that to the benefit of the en- energy industry during his campaign. campaign. Right. Just like he entertained the idea of vouchers for students, you know, stuck in the bottom 15% of schools in this state. Yep. And then he took and turned back on those promises as soon as he was elected. That's right. And uh, it's a shame. And, and we, you know, I would call on Governor Shapiro as a constituent of Pennsylvania and also as a legislator to uh, immediately turn Pennsylvania's open sign on. Right now, we've got a big close for business sign on our front door. Mm-hmm. And you can see that because U.S. Steel left. They went to Arkansas and did the investment in Arkansas. We need that kind of investment here, uh, and we need it soon. I was just reading here today, as for our listeners that may not be aware, uh, U.S. Steel still operating here in the Mon Valley, but what they did was they canceled a $1.5 billion planned investment that would have made this a very green or one of the greenest steel facilities in the world and took that money and now the investment in Arkansas where they have the arc furnace there, the electric arc furnace is slated to be about $4 billion in total investment there, $4 billion. And chased away, not just because of the energy policies here, but also our permitting policies. That's right. You know, and these are things that absolutely need reform, but don't seem to be taking place you know, under Democrat rule. Well, and Sam, to your point about criticizing somebody for corporate work, uh, mm-hmm. good corporate work uh, that benefited uh, many folks in the area, um, shows that uh, the alliances and the allegiances politically on the left are with public sector unions and with organizations that are anti-growth, mm-hmm. uh, but they love government spending. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that is the recipe for higher inflation and lower growth that makes it harder to find good paying jobs. Um, and it really does stifle any corporate interest for new, uh, new investment here. And you see the investment happening across our border in Ohio, where they got a $7 billion Intel plant mm-hmm. uh, put in, or in West Virginia, where they've had a number of good paying job type investments from corporations who you know, don't wanna be a part of Reggie. 
but would love to be in this, you know, uh, Marcellus Shale region. And so they go across the border where there's a friendlier uh, government environment. And so, you know, we've got to make a choice here in Pennsylvania about the slate of candidates that we vote for. And, you know, if you look across the landscape, we've got Senator Fetterman and Senator Casey. We've got Governor Shapiro uh, in Pittsburgh area. We've got Summer Lee and Chris Deluzio. These are all folks who, whose policies are really anti-growth, and uh, they're hurting the city uh, in particular with Mayor Ganey and his policies, licentious on crime, and it's just a recipe for continued decline, unfortunately. Well, and there was a recent article in the Washington Examiner written by Selena Zito where she talked about the decline and the decay here in the city of Pittsburgh. And, and I shared that you know, out on social media with Twitter. And you get the, you know, the usual trolls from the left who are you know, complaining that you know, I'm an elected official, so why am I saying anything you know, negative about this city or region? And I say that because I tell them I'm trying to tell the truth because we have problems and we need to get them corrected. That's then right. they question why as an elected official I haven't fixed it. And then I have to try to take them through civics classes because they don't understand that, yeah, hey, I was elected to county council, not city council, okay? And then I'm only one of 15 members on a legislative body. I'm not the county executive or the mayor where I can, in fact, you know, dictate policy or how an administration is run. So we do have some problems, and we certainly need some help. Uh, former Congressman Mike Doyle, a Democrat, who Mike and I didn't agree on much, okay? One of the things I did agree with Mike on is he worked tirelessly to bring investment and business to this region. Uh, we're not seeing that same thing, you know, under Summer Lee or Chris Deluzio, okay? You know, Summer Lee, prior to the election, when some of the universities were trying to give her a briefing on the grant requests and things that they had going on down there in Washington, the money they wanted for different programs and things of that nature, <clears throat> told them that, shook her hand at them and told them that's not what she's there for, social justice, Okay, with her bag. And then Chris Deluzio, who ran as a moderate, okay, has certainly not taken and acted that way once he was elected, taking a leadership role in the Progressive Caucus and voting more with Summer Lee, you know, and the extremists in the Democrat Party than with anyone in the center or the moderates. Yeah, Sam, there's no doubt about it. And it's one of the things uh, that I'll be excited to contrast with on him is his voting record. You know, this campaign, my campaign for Congress, will be about policy and it will be about local policy. I want to focus on how to bring uh, growth back to Pittsburgh, how to get the economy moving again, how to get investment into our region. And you don't do that by taking votes to keep the COVID policy in place, to keep the COVID emergency in place. Left of President Biden, on the COVID emergency, left of President Biden on safety and policing, uh, wanted to uh, vote against the, and did vote against the DC crime bill that he wanted to continue licentious law enforcement policies mm -hmm. in DC. And he wants the same thing in Pittsburgh by extension. Um, and that's just a policy for continued degradation of our, our safety and security here. Um, and that's really job one. And in talking to Joe Rocky, I know that he's got a, a really nice plan to fix the city and to get law enforcement going, well-funded, hiring practices. And it really comes down to, Sam, it's a lack of leadership in our area. And as a military man yourself, mm -hmm. you know the impact that good leaders have on the organizations that they run and lead. And in Western PA right now, we need leadership. As a West Point trained leader, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fire mm -hmm. up and represent this area. And I don't want to talk about national issues and national you know, controversies. I want to talk about Beaver County and Allegheny County and how do we get this area back on track. 
And I think that's important. I think that's something that's been missing. You know, and, uh, you know, again, when I had talked about your background there in business, it, it's offensive to me that uh, the left, you know, folks like your opponent, uh, attack people who have jobs and have been successful and glorify the ones that don't, you know, and who they want to take and continue to provide government handouts to. And, uh, you know, to me, there is dignity in work, you know, and purpose. And it's something we should strive to do is to provide workforce development and training to every able-bodied individual, Absolutely. you know, so that they have an opportunity to earn a living for the, for they and their families. And again, hey, we're compassionate. <clears throat> you know, we have to have a safety net to help those who have fallen or those who can't help themselves. But if you're able-bodied and, you know, able to work, you know, you should, you know, be able to find a job here, right. especially in this environment today. That's a great point, Sam. And, you know, the difference in ideology, I think, can be summed up by the role of government in our lives. You know, the left wants to have government involved in every aspect of our lives, you know, from birth to death, Mm -hmm. whether it's, um, you know, permitting approval for a business or what you learn in school or how you raise your kids or where they go to daycare or how they get into college and how they pay for college uh, to the, you know, the jobs that they get afterward. And it's just, it's stifling, and I think it's inappropriate. It's not the founder's vision. Remember what they fought for. They fought for liberty from a tyrannical monarchy. We don't want a heavy-handed, centralized government. That's never been the American way of life, and it's not what's led to the prosperity and the freedom that we have. We're the beacon of freedom because the idea here is that every single one of us, every person, has the ability and the inherent value to be free and to own property, and to make decisions for themselves responsibly. That's the American vision. And that's what gets me excited, is to remind voters and encourage our people in this Western PA region to recapture that vision. And it is a vision of equal opportunity, too. And you mentioned compassion. There are folks who are downtrodden. There are folks who haven't been given the same opportunities over time. But we need to, uh, you know, remind them to claim the the vision of freedom and equality. And when everybody does that, I think, and finds that good paying job that works for them and they can raise their family in peace and prosperity, we want that for everybody. And that's how we recapture the vision of American prosperity. Um, And that's how we move this region forward is to say, you know, let's find common ground solutions to the areas where public policy does matter, you know, protecting our city, protecting our country, securing our borders, by the way, um, and growing our economy, and then fighting for the future for our kids. Rob, that is incredibly well said. Thank you very much for, for, for pointing that out. And you're absolutely right. That's the battle that's taking place today. You know, for, for the folks on the right who believe that the deep state represents an existential threat, you know, for the folks who believe that there's a double standard of justice you know, right now with the Department of Justice and things like that. I mean, getting back to the founder's vision of limited government, you know, focusing on what, you know, the Constitution permitted and allowed and sending the rest back to the states. I mean, that's something for these folks to aspire to. Hey, folks, if you're uh, listening in to just tuning in now, you're listening to a conversation between uh, State Representative Rob McCurry, recently declared candidate for the United States Congress, in PA 17th Congressional District, you know, in myself, and Rob is doing a phenomenal job extolling why, explaining why 
he has chosen to run for this seat. And I, I want to talk to him a lot more here about, uh, you know, first going back, as I interrupted him earlier, about why he chose to run for the state house. And then now why he's transitioned, wants to run for the United States Congress and what his key objectives are going to be. Yeah, and, and Sam, you know, thanks for having me on. And, and to those listeners out there who are interested, you can go to robmercury.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll be sharing more as the campaign evolves. Uh, but we're going to need everybody to be involved. We're going to need stakeholders across uh, Beaver County and Allegheny County uh, who care about the future and who want to weigh in uh, to stand up and be counted. We're going to need everybody to be a part of what we're planning to do in this campaign for Congress. And that means different things for different people. Mm -hmm. And those who listen to your show, Sam, here, I know are already tuned into what's going on. So they know that, you know, if there's any chance that they can't make it to the polls on Election Day, they've got to vote by mail and they've got to request that ballot early so that they get it in time. They've got to encourage friends and family to do the same. And in that way, uh, we can be even more competitive. But I think the, the biggest thing is we've got ideas that are broadly transferable across every uh, age category in the area that is a hopeful vision that is founded in our original ideals as Americans uh, and that will lead to renewed prosperity and hope uh, for every one of us. So that's what I'm excited to talk more about um, over the next um, 16, 17 months as we run this campaign. Well, you know, you have 16 to 17 months as you run the campaign, but we're going to give you an opportunity to talk more about this right after the break. Folks, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS, 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. We'll be right back right after the break. Welcome back to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS, 1320 AM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco. We're here. We're talking in studio today with State Representative Rob McCurry, candidate for United States Congress in the Pennsylvania 17th Congressional District. Rob, uh, you know, we left off. We were talking about some of the things, your vision and so on and so forth. But I had interrupted you earlier. And, uh, you know, when you were talking about how your service in the military, you know, coming back, uh, settling in New York, then coming back and working for PNC, what caused you to decide to run for our state representative here in PA's 28th House Legislative District? Yes, yeah, Sam. So in, so in 2016 and 2017, I started to get more involved in local politics um, and really around veterans' causes. Mm -hmm. um, I was always involved at the, in all the jobs that I had in the veterans' organization at the company, and it was a good way to kind of use my experience and my care for, for veterans um, to, um, to be involved in the company and help the next generation of uh, transitioning service members coming into the workforce uh, to get comfortable and get their feet wet and also to let you know the companies know the skills that these veterans bring into the company so i did a lot of work in that space um, and was was proud of all that work and uh, it led to involvement in uh, congressional campaigns uh, for keith rothfuss uh, in 2016 and 2018 uh, and it was on his uh, veterans kind of organizing committee that i helped with i also helped with his uh, congressional nomination uh, committees for the academies, which was a lot of fun, uh, and and uh, always working with with good, impressive young people. So just getting involved in in the public service areas uh, of the of the state, um, and eventually led to a an opportunity when uh, Speaker Mike Terzai resigned in uh, 2020 January, uh, and he left open the state house seat 
that I was a, a constituent of, and you know, talked to my wife and and we uh, prayed about the opportunity and decided that it was the right time to uh, see a need and step in and, and help. Uh, so I launched a campaign in 2020 before the pandemic was was in full force and uh, decided to run. And in March of 2020, March 13th was my last day at PNC Bank. And so that was like the last day that anybody went to work. If you remember, everybody started working remotely back then. And I was going out on doors in a mask, you know, with, with distancing back then. Um, did over 12,000 doors uh, during that campaign. Met um, so many voters um, and really got excited about this type of retail politics where you meet people, you hear from them about their concerns, and then you translate that into how do we get, you know, get solutions done for people. Uh, we won that election uh, with a nice margin. We outperformed up ballot uh, in, in 2020 by a large margin. And, uh, and we did that because we met voters and we responded to their concerns. Well, what was significant about that was, you know, the Democrats had nominated for the second time a woman by the name of Emily Skopov, which was their giant killer that they claimed was going to take on and defeat the speaker, Mike Terzai. You know, she was a, uh, you know, progressive, you know, uh, from California, tattoos, moved here, you know, talked about background as a producer with movies, things of this nature. And you spanked her handily. And I think uh, uh, after after you defeated her, I think uh, she's left you know, politics here. So thank you for that. One less for us to deal with. Well, her views and my views were, couldn't have been more different. Her plans and my plans for the district couldn't have been more different. And, you know, I heard directly from voters that, you know, the, uh, you know, California policies that she wanted to bring uh, were, were not consistent with Western PA values. Um, and, you know, to her credit, she was, she was open about those values and those plans. I think the difference now is Mr. Deluzio has um, presented himself more as a moderate, uh, but is uh, of a similar uh, style and policy uh, set of views as as Ms. Skopoff was. So we were able to win that election, and I went on to be sworn in uh, January of 2021, served first term, and couldn't be more proud of the work we did during that term. Uh, we cut the corporate tax rate, uh, and it uh, it's on a path now to to... Uh, be more competitive, much more competitive than it ever has been across the country. Uh, we used to have the uh, second highest and the highest non-graduated tax rate of 9.99% uh, corporate net income tax rate. And so we've cut it and we're going to keep cutting it. It's on a pathway down to 4.99% uh, over the next few years. Big deal. Uh, and we were able to get that done even with a Democratic governor, which we were proud of. Uh, we also... Uh, you know, got uh, mortgage reform done, which I led um, as a member of the, the finance committee. And autonomous driving has be become mm -hmm. a, an opportunity for our area. And, and I was uh, in a position uh, being from the Pittsburgh area and also being up on the technology that uh, I was asked to co-prime sponsor the bill to uh, enable uh, Pennsylvania to allow and to create rules for mm -hmm. autonomous driving in in Pennsylvania. So we're positioned so that uh, we can take advantage of the autonomous vehicle industry whenever it is ready, which I think is pretty soon. Um, and we've got some companies here that can also take advantage of that uh, opportunity. So I was proud to get that done as well at the end of my uh, first term. 
there's lots more to do. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, because the state house lost the majority narrowly, but we lost it by one seat um, in 2022, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, now the priorities have shifted to, in the House anyway, to these Democratic uh, priorities, which seem to be, you know, a, a new government program everywhere you look, and as much spending as absolutely humanly possible um, to kind of make and create dependency uh, on the government. And, you know, I, I was in hearings uh, in Harrisburg that really shocked me because some questions of Democratic members would be, well, what's the budget for a program or how much spending can we afford? And, and literally some of the answers would be, there's no amount of spending that is too much for this program or that program. Um, and that's just a fundamentally unsound view of fiscal policy. It's not even a fiscal policy. And uh, so I think the mindset in Harrisburg at the moment, at least in the House as it's led by a Democratic majority, is to spend our way to oblivion so that they get every program that they could want in place before they lose the majority again, which I hope is is soon, um, because it's irresponsible the way uh, uh, that uh, they're spending taxpayer money. You're seeing at the federal level, too. Mm-hmm. You referenced uh, $32 trillion in debt, which is irresponsible to say the least. Um, we need to rectify that because it's a strategic problem for the United States of America. It puts us at risk from an economic standpoint and from a security standpoint. If the markets stop trusting that we're going to be able to pay those bills, which at some point, if you take unlimited debt on, you will not be able to pay those bills. Um, And that is something we should be very focused on correcting over time. And that takes strong leadership and it takes a conservative view of fiscal policy to get that done. One of the things that's important about fiscal policy, and Rob, I'm dealing with similar things here at the county level, is these folks are so uh, out of touch that they don't realize that the money that we have today, while it may seem like we have a surplus or we may have money, so much of that is the result of the federal spending that's taken place under the CARES Act and the ARP plan, You know, the very, the very bills that have taken and driven up inflation in this country. And that money was only temporary. You know, it was dumped out there to try to take and protect folks or to try to incent investment following the pandemic. Okay. But that's going away. It's just like the stimulus did. If you recall back in 2010, when uh, governor Corbett was elected, he took office in 2011 and he was attacked for claims that he had taken and cut education spending by a billion dollars. When no such thing happened, he actually increased the state's share of spending by like $800 million. But those federal dollars went away. And he was accused of cutting them, okay? So these people are looking at the $5 billion plus you guys have in Pennsylvania's rainy, rainy day fund as some sort of like piggy bank, not understanding that the money that's being spent on many of these things today is going to go away. And those holes are going to need to be filled. And the same people they claim to represent, you know, they want to talk about, well, we can't, we can't have people... They're homeless. You know, we have to provide homes. But yeah, they have no problem raising taxes on people on fixed incomes and forcing them out of their homes, okay? I mean, there, there is just a complete disconnect, I think, uh, with some of our legislators. So I am very, very happy to see the work that you've done in Harrisburg and, and, and looking forward to the work you would be able to accomplish you know, should you be elected to be my congressman because I live in the 
the A 17th Congressional District. I appreciate that, Sam. And I know that you see this at the county level in your role there as well. And it does seem like a fundam- there's a fundamental misunderstanding of the unending uh, or the finite nature of, of financial resources. And it will, it, you know, it, it's a math equation. It will catch up with us. If we raise spending without raising taxes, you're going to end up using that stimulus and you're going to end up having to raise mm. taxes or being in a big being in in a lot of of trouble fiscally. And I'm somebody who wants our citizens to be able to keep what they earn and our seniors on fixed income to be able to not have a tax raise. Tax cuts were something I I am very proud of uh, in in my first term. So in order to hold that line on taxes, we need to hold the line on spending. And I suspect that there are some Democrats who know how this works and they would love to have to raise taxes and you know probably on a lot of our listeners here small business owners, people who are hardworking and have incomes, uh, that uh, that would be fine by them. So that's where the difference comes in. And the other piece is this federal stimulus that's that's coming from the, from the uh, payments after COVID and some of these infrastructure bills and what they labeled as the Inflation Reduction Act, but which actually works in the opposite direction mm-hmm. of reducing inflation, right. is really like monopoly money. I mean, they legislated into existence and the Fed is printing dollars that uh, we can't back and we can't uh, show that there's any new value created. This hasn't come from tax revenue from hardworking people. This is, this is money that is legislated into existence. That has an inflationary impact on the economy. That's why inflation was up to 10% following COVID. And so a lot of this is just economics and we need to understand that. And if we reverse trends and we let folks keep more of what they make, and we take regulations and permitting restrictions off of business, we allow that boom in the economy, Reaganomics, low taxes, high growth policies, actually creates new value. And then you end up having stronger balance sheets and stronger budgets. And you can, you know, then add a new program or a new incentive. But the, you know, but you're talking common sense here, Rob. Okay. And that seems to be in short supply with those on the left, right? And, and I say that we talk, talk about economics, okay? For the folks out there that think that think that their houses have gone up in value, that their 401ks and things like that have gone up in value, you know, I would posit that the uh, that they haven't. That what you're seeing is inflationary policy take place, and that it's the value that you see is is a result of dollars being worth less, and that's why they're seeing this, and and folks don't understand, and and you know, it's just like stock splitting, okay. The stock, if the stock's $100 a share and it splits, you know, okay, now you have two shares that are worth $50, but you still have only, it's a it's $100 stock, okay? And so many people just seem to fail to realize this. Yeah, and what will go up are the tax bills on property assessments, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, representative, former representative Inamorado has committed to. Um, and, you know, a new assessment hasn't happened in many years in Allegheny County, uh, but uh, she's committed to that, and that should you know, alarm many homeowners in, uh, in Allegheny County because uh, those property values which have gone up on paper, they, the assessed values are going to go up and their tax bills are going to um, double or triple based on those new assessments. Right. And, 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 you know, and that is not, you know, fake value there. <laughs> those are real dollars they're going to have to spend. And, you know, what was very disappointing to me in these recent budget hearings that she did there, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on her or that, but, but while at the same time she advocates for a countywide reassessment, 
you know, which is a stealth tax increase on everyone in Allegheny County. But she also tried to push through a bill in the, in the state house there to create a, th a program called the Loop Program. The Loop Program would have allowed the city of Pittsburgh to wall off entire neighborhoods from the impact of that reassessment. But, you know, someone's going to have to pay that bill. So while we have, you know, those folks wouldn't be impacted, she would take and push the resulting deficit that needed to be made up to folks in the suburbs. And, you know, I'm sorry, but uh, why are the folks in the city any better than the people in Monroeville or McCandless or Mount Lebanon? They're not. You know, everybody should be treated equally under the system, and particularly when it comes to taxes. You know, and here you have someone running to be the county executive who clearly wants to show favoritism with some over others. You know, and, and to me, that's disqualifying. But, hey, you know, I don't want to. It's important to highlight that disparity, though. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So what are the things that you would like to focus on when you go to uh, to Washington? And I ask you this because yesterday I was watching Fox News. And, uh, yes, yes, listeners, I do watch Fox News. I watch some others occasionally. But uh, Fox News is what's on at my house. And uh, I, Charlie Hurt from the, uh, I'm trying to think of the newspaper that he's on, but he's a frequent contributor. <clears throat> but they were talking about how the truth has finally come out from Democrats themselves in regards to the Inflation Reduction Act and how it had nothing to do with reducing inflation, but it was really a green giveaway. And his comment was, I can't remember the exact quote, but I'm paraphrasing, was Democrats can't take and fix anything that really matters to Americans. So now they're just going to go off and claim they're going to fix the weather. Well, Sam, I, I noticed, you know, at the beginning you talked about, you know, local environments uh, versus national. And that's the way that I'm thinking about this too, is it's mm -hmm. this race is about um, District 17. It's about Beaver County. It's about Allegheny County. And it's about the families and the people whose lives I want to serve to improve. That's the goal. So the number one problem right now for families across our region is inflation, that cost at the pump and cost at the grocery store are going up. And that's be direct, a direct result of the far left inflationary policies that are driving up the cost of goods and services. Mm -hmm. And the way to stop that is what we talked about earlier is sound fiscal policy. So I will be a vote every day, all day in Congress for sound fiscal policy that helps put a cap on inflation and allows businesses to return to a growth posture. As a small business owner myself, I know that during COVID, Pennsylvania had it, one of the most difficult environments of any state because of Governor Wolf's policies. Uh, but the federal government has been difficult for small businesses to handle as well. Mm -hmm. We need to unleash the power and the potential of our small business, business communities. Over half of the economy itself, our gross domestic product, is produced every year by small businesses. Not by corporations, but small businesses. And in our community, that is mom and pop stores all across Wexford, Gibsonia, uh, Mount Lebanon, Beaver County. And the communities in those areas benefit from those, those shops. And we need to write policies and pass policies that encourage low regulation, and low taxation, and we can do that um, at the national level, and we've worked to do it at the state level as well. We need to uh, pass policies that encourage uh, safe streets, and the federal government has a role to play in providing assistance where, where needed in cities like Pittsburgh that have become very licentious on crime. And I would highlight that Matt Dugan, who's running for DA, is the exact opposite of what we need um, in the city of Pittsburgh. 
who uh, is a George Soros-backed candidate and doesn't have interest in prosecuting uh, just because of his philosophy. He's got a different philosophy on crime. Uh, and I think we need to be uh, a law and order uh, type region. And, you know, I think the, the focus on solutions that unite our country rather than divide us is also a key differentiator. And, uh, and that's going to, you know, uh, be a dynamic across my campaign that I want to find common ground and pursue solutions that bring us together and get uh, uh, progress uh, on some of our hardest issues. That all sounds great. And Rob, for our listeners here who are listening to you and say, boy, this guy's making some, <laughs> making some good sense here, okay? And certainly different from what we hear from our current representative who wants to sit around and call people jagoffs, okay? Or, you know, wants to you know, do a photo op saying that he's having a beer in a federal, federal paid office with uh, Senator Fetterman. They, they were, could be sharing a beer. They certainly weren't sharing a conversation since we know that our current senator really can't have a conversation with them, okay? But for folks that are actually looking for someone that's going to work on their behalf and deliver solutions, how would they go about, again, helping you in this effort or this campaign? We've been using the phrase, stand up and be counted, and that's going to be a theme throughout the campaign. They can go to robmercury.com, sign up to volunteer, uh, contribute $5, $20, more if they can afford it, and we will put uh, your dollars to good use. And we have roles uh, across District 17 that we can use your help. Uh, as we prepare for um, what will be one of the most hotly contested elections uh, in the country for uh, for this congressional seat. We know that uh, the good people of this district want solutions and they want problem solvers who can get it done. Um, and I know my West Point background and my military experience and as a small business owner lends the right type of problem solving expertise to what we need. Um, so I'm looking forward to partnering with so many of you around uh, Beaver County and, and Allegheny County um, as we as we work to, to get over the top and win this election. Well, I can tell. I, I, I can tell our listeners that having known you for a number of years, <clears throat> that I'm confident that you would restore integrity to the office and would comport yourself you know, at the highest standards and something we could certainly use having seen where the position has gone under the uh, – the, the recent uh, office holder. Thank you, Sam. I mean, it would be my absolute honor to serve. It's been the honor of a lifetime serving as a representative in District 28. Um, and I take that extremely seriously. Every constituent uh, who calls or walks in, uh, we you know immediately get to work on, on the problems or challenges that they bring to us. And you know that's the uh, opportunity we have in our system as a representative democracy, is we get to work together on these types of solutions. And our best ideas often walk in the door in my district office. Mm -hmm. um, during COVID, we had a, a tax um, issue. Business owner came in and mentioned, hey, I just got this payroll protection program money uh, from the government, but it looks like the money's gonna be taxed at the state level. Is that is that what you intended? It seems kind of counterproductive to tax a payroll protection program dollar. Mm -hmm. And he was absolutely right. And it was a loophole in the state tax law that we had to work to get closed, and we did. Uh, but we wouldn't have known or we would have known later if he hadn't got up, come into my office and, and brought it to my attention. So that's the way that our system works uh, when it works best. And, uh, and I'm excited to take that kind of energy and, and representation uh, to Washington as well. Well, we're excited that you're going to do this. Now, hey, you know, again, you're one of the candidates, you know, running in this race. There's been another candidate that's, that's uh, declared, uh, Jim Nelson, you know, very good guy, you know, also a veteran, okay? 
you know, how do you anticipate running you know, for this race, but yet running so that you're running on your qualifications and that we don't have Republicans, you know, trying basically attacking each other here. We're gonna, know, are you going to abide by the Ronald Reagan rule or what, what's your plan? Yeah, I absolutely will. It's, it's um, you know, and I know Jim, he's a good guy and I admire his background and his experience as well. And, you know, this is a race about ideas and this is, this is a race about carrying the torch um, against our common opponent, mm-hmm. Mr. Deluzio. And so I think, uh, you know, I'm going to stay focused on, on that aspect of the campaign and keep it civil and keep it respectful um, and ideas based. And the voters ultimately get to decide and uh, we'll respect uh, their decision uh, when the time comes. Okay. Now, Rob, you, you know, uh, you announced on Tuesday and Wednesday morning, the DCC already has something out attacking you. They're calling you a corporate shill. They're claiming that you're a, an extremist, you know, talking about your positions in pro-life. Uh, they're calling you corrupt, all these other things. You know, do you want to address any of these to tell our listeners whether they should just disregard? I would say to every, anybody listening that you know, I'm proud of my record. I'm proud of my character. I'm proud of my family. Um, and I hold, uh, you know, the values that I have and the values that I learned growing up in Western Pennsylvania. And, uh, and I'm an open book from that perspective. And so anything that they would like to know or that they can see about my record is, 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 is there to review. Uh, and I'm proud of that record. So I think if we put our records against each other um, in District 17 and we talk about the lives of the voters that we want to represent and how to make those lives better, that that's the appropriate focus. So, you know, they can denigrate, they can call names, but but I'm gonna choose to keep my eyes up and focused on where we're headed as a region and about the futures of every person in the district and how to make those futures brighter and their lives better. And I think when we do that, we return to the whole reason that we're running. We're not running for the contest itself, we're running to hold the office and to do the office, to be competent, in that office uh, and to take the votes that represent the people of Western PA. Uh, so to do that, uh, we've got to let some of that criticism kind of fall to the side and keep our eyes on, uh, on what matters, which is uh, the individuals in our district. Now, how long have you lived in your current location? We've been in Wexford uh, <coughs> now for 13 years. Okay. And again, I grew up in, in West Deer, Pennsylvania. So always been a North Hills guy, but you know, love the district that, that I am looking to represent here, District 17. You know, the, the towns in Beaver County are beautiful. I'm learning about the South Hills and have met with other Republican women of, of Mount Lebanon already. And uh, we're doing a, an event tonight in Bradford Woods. Uh, so there's just, there's great people all across the district. And I'm excited for every aspect of the journey ahead. And again, if anybody has questions or, or comments, check us out, robmercury.com. And everybody needs to stand up and be counted. So, Sam, thanks for having me today. Well, Rob, thanks for joining us. I mean, I'm so happy to hear that you've been living in Wexford for 13 years because I don't think your opponent is, you know, Mr. Deluzio has lived in the district for 13 months. But yet, you know, that that's only a problem for a potential Senate candidate here. Never a problem for their side. But Rob, again, thanks for joining us. Folks, as always, time flies when you're having fun here. That's it for this week on The Elephant in the Room. Until next week, this is Sam DeMarco signing off. The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM and 99.1 FM Talk. See you next week.